Hey everybody, happy Sunday. My name is Jake, my beautiful wife Nicole and I have the greatest honor of our lives getting to lead C3 Los Angeles, phenomenal church right here in LA. So glad that you are joining with us today and just want to take a moment and uh, just make sure that we all do know that next Sunday is Easter Sunday and we've got such uh, an incredible um, presentation of the gospel ready to bring to you and all your friends and family members. I want to encourage you, just be looking out this week across all of, our, all of our digital channels, platforms, Instagram, our website, for shareable content. We want to resource you so that you can invite people to tune in uh, for next Sunday's online service. It truly is going to be so, so special. So grateful that we can continue to gather around the Word of God, which we're going to do today as we continue this series, Does a Life Have Meaning? I want to invite, with you, invite you to join me uh, in the Gospel of Matthew and chapter... Eight. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1 says this, When he, Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. One more passage in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Other translations say who, who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to preach to you today a message called All the Way to Grace. Our passage today is set uh, at one of the coolest junctures uh, in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1 says, So when he, Jesus, came down the mountain... The multitudes followed him. So right away we have to ask the question, what was Jesus doing up on the mountain? He didn't just climb mountains and hillsides for fun. He was up there for a reason, and so were all the multitudes of people who were with him. And that reason is what we have now come to call the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, that sermon is recorded in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And then here in chapter 8 and verse 1, it records Jesus coming down from the mountain, the crowds following closely behind. So I guess we could say at that moment, they were all leaving church as the service had been dismissed. And it's in that context that verse 2 of Matthew chapter 8 says, Behold, a leper came and worshipped him. And Matthew, the author of this gospel, he means for that to feel as abrupt as it seems. One moment, Jesus and the crowd were coming out of a sacred space. The very next moment, this man, who by every human standard was not supposed to be there, comes barreling into their midst. This man suffered from leprosy, which is a term that the scriptures use to classify a variety of skin diseases. And leprosy made you ritually unclean. In fact, it made you unclean in, in every sense of the word. You had to be quarantined from the rest of society, which means there was an immediate tension that all of the people surrounding Jesus would have felt. There was a tension that all of Matthew's earliest readers of his gospel account would have felt, 
And that tension was that this man was in a place where he was not supposed to be because if you had leprosy, you couldn't be around other people. In fact, if for some reason you had to get relatively close to others, you were lawfully required to announce, I'm unclean, so that people knew not to get too close to you. The only other people that you could be around as a leper were other people with leprosy. I began to think about that this week, and it dawned on me that to be a leper in the time of Christ was to have sickness as your only vision. All you see all day long is people who share your condition so that your condition becomes all that you ever expect. After all, when we see the same thing day in and day out, it conditions us to believe that what we see is all that there will ever be. Right now, all across the world, we are struggling to see an end to this global health crisis. Even though we know that eventually the virus will be contained, the world is struggling to see the end of this thing because we see the headlines every day and we see uh, the impact it's having on nations. We see the numbers. We see the economy. We see the social media updates from friends and family members, colleagues and government officials. We see so much that it's becoming hard to see the end of this pandemic. And that's like what it would have been like to be a leper in the time of Christ. All you saw was leprosy, so you didn't see a future beyond your disease. On this date, though, I believe that this man was afforded an opportunity, a unique opportunity. Because Jesus was up on the hillside with the multitudes of people, the scripture says, which means that the town below would have been relatively vacant. And I wonder if this man took advantage of the situation and came in from the outskirts of the town where he had been socially relegated. It seems to me likely that he did because he was immediately available to approach Jesus the moment Jesus came down from the mountain. And I wonder if in coming close, coming in from the outskirts and waiting at the base of the mountain, if he could hear what Jesus was teaching just up above. I wonder if he could hear what Jesus said towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. For example, in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, when Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. I wonder if he heard that. I don't mean to read too deeply into the story, too deeply into the text. I just know that this man's faith had to come from somewhere, and it did not come from what he saw. It had to come from what he heard. So whether it was him hearing Jesus teaching just above him or him hearing reports of Jesus healing people with similar conditions to his own, somewhere, somehow he heard something that made him believe for a future, that gave him faith for a future that was different from what he could see. I love it because the scriptures actually teach us that the sense associated with faith is not sight but hearing. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Romans 10 and verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, the word of Christ. In other words, when we hear the word of Christ, it creates faith in us, all kinds of faith. Faith that saves and faith that heals and faith that endures and just keeps walking through the midst of life's storms. And I want to encourage every single person who's watching right now because although we cannot necessarily see the end to this crisis that we are facing, although we see the ramifications of this disease across the world, if you go to the Word of God today and every day, if you hear the Word of Christ, even as you recite it from your own voice, that's going to 
create faith in you for a future, not just a future that God can bring, but a future that God is willing to bring. And I'm praying, in fact, that you would receive faith for both of those. Faith not only for what God can do, but faith for what God is willing to do in your own life. This man in the scriptures, this man with leprosy, he was suspended between those two beliefs. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He had no question in his mind of whether or not Jesus could. He just wasn't sure if Jesus wanted to. And if we were honest with ourselves and with others, I think we would all admit that we all walk that line of belief in our own lives. Maybe you don't struggle to believe that God wants to do the miraculous for others. You're just not sure if he wants to do it for you. And we invent all these reasons in our mind for why we are disqualified from being the objects of God's desire to bless. And we think that God wants to do it for others. But you know what? The people that you think God wants to help, they're disqualified for all the same reasons that you are. Maybe even then some. But it doesn't matter. Because the only thing that qualifies any one of us is Christ. Christ is our righteousness. Jesus is our perfection. He is the signature on our covenant with God who invites us to come to him that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He designed that covenant by his own desire. He keeps that covenant by his own desire. He is more than willing to impart mercy and grace to you and I. And if you allow that word to sink down deep into your heart, it will create faith in you, not just for what God can do, but for what God is willing to do. In other words, faith not just in his power, but faith in God's goodness. I want us to understand today that God's goodness is central to who he is. Under the old covenant, in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18, we see that Moses approached God. He said, God, show me your glory. In other words, show me your essence. What are you comprised of? And God responded to Moses in verse 19, I will make my goodness pass before you. Because God's glory, God's essence is his goodness. He is good down to the last iota of his nature. God is a good God. So put your faith not just in his power, but your faith in his goodness and, and come to him with your anxious thoughts and your concerns and your needs and he wants to meet you with his mercy and give to you his grace. I love the combination of those two, his mercy and his grace, because they speak to God's nature of going above and beyond what we even think is possible. God's mercy all by itself is completely sufficient. His mercy is what forgives, what heals, what covers but God doesn't stop at mercy. God goes all the way to grace. His grace is what provides the unthought of blessing. His grace gives more than what you even knew to pray for. His grace does better than the best thing we even knew to request from him. And we see that in the interaction here between Jesus and this man with leprosy. This man came to Jesus wanting to be healed of his disease. And it says in verse 3 that Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And right then at that moment, the crowd surrounding Jesus would not have known what to be more shocked by. The fact that this leper had come close to Jesus or that Jesus had put his hand on the leper. You see, just as it was unlawful for people with leprosy to come near others, so also was it unlawful for people to touch 
those with leprosy. In fact, doing so made you unclean yourself. But Jesus didn't care. He reached out and touched the man in the midst of all these people because when Jesus touches those who are unclean, he doesn't become unclean. They become clean. When we invite Jesus into the mess of our lives, no matter how messy our lives seem, our lives don't remain a mess. They become miracles. We become lights to the world around us. In order to demonstrate the bewildering nature of this gesture of Jesus, the very next thing that Matthew records in his own gospel account is Jesus healing somebody else. Except this time we see that the person wasn't even physically present and Jesus healed them simply by speaking the word right from where he was. And what Matthew is trying to get us to do in this moment is to say, hang on a second, you mean to tell me that Jesus didn't need to touch the man with leprosy in order to heal him? That's right, healing the man with a word is what Jesus was able to do. Touching the man who had been rejected and ostracized by society is what Jesus wanted to do. The word was his mercy, but the touch was his grace. The word undid the disease, but the touch undid the years of shame and rejection. The word restored who he was, but the touch declared whose he was. It's his mercy and his grace, and they are both expressions of his compassion. And I am telling you that Jesus is looking at you right now with the same compassion. So put your faith not just in his power, put your faith in his goodness. And don't try to muster that faith up on your own. It's not a feeling that we conjure. No, it's a faith, again, that comes by hearing the word of Christ. Keep going back to the scriptures, because God's word is your daily bread to create daily faith. I'm going to say that again because I really want you to grasp it, that God's word is your daily bread to create daily faith. Don't worry about faith for tomorrow. Just seek God for faith for today. Vision for the future today. The scriptures say in Psalm 119 verse 105 that his word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And I have found that the part of my path that God most often illuminates is the part right where I'm standing, the place right where my feet are planted. And he wants to help me and help you just take our next step of faith today. And as we do that each day, we find that he walks us out of despair back into joy out of chaos, back into peace, out of darkness, into the light of his glory, his provision. His mercy guides you. His grace provides for you. His goodness towards you will not be stopped. So put your faith, not just in his power, but in his goodness. He's a good God. And as you just show up to God daily, you're going to find that he who is touched by the feeling of our infirmities, by our fears, by our concerns, will himself reach out to touch you with the healing power of, of his compassion. I want to leave you today with just two quick thoughts, two quick takeaways before we conclude. The first one is this, is that compassion always creates room for your calling to increase. I have a sense right now, just pastorally, that many of us are beginning to feel uncertain about our calling in life. Maybe you thought your career was your calling and things have gotten shaky. Maybe your career right now is just fine, but just the, the shaken nature of the world around you has you reconsidering your perspective about what the meaning of your life is. I want to let you know that compassion is what creates room for your calling to continue to increase. The Gospel of Mark records this same exact miracle in Mark chapter 1, and he says something really distinct, that it was this miracle 
that made it so Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but had to be out in desolate wilderness places where people came to him from all directions. In other words, because of this miracle, the city could no longer contain the breadth of Jesus' ministry, so he had to wait for people to meet him in those wide open spaces. One act of compassion took his ministry, his own calling, to a whole new realm, a whole new level. And I want to let you know that if you and I continue to live and give compassionately, God will create more room for our callings to flourish. The Bible says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. So if we are generous with our compassion, with the right motivation, God is going to use that to keep moving your calling forward. The second takeaway I want to give you is that God's mercy and grace always unlocks your future. When this man came to Jesus, his future was bound. His future was small. He was so limited in where he could go and what he could do. And maybe some of you right now in this pandemic, you feel like your, your future is shrinking. The possibilities for your life are diminishing. When Jesus met this man with his mercy and grace, it unlocked his future. In other words, it allowed him to go places he couldn't go, do things that he couldn't do. When Jesus meets you with his mercy and grace, he'll do the exact same for you. He'll unlock your future. He'll open up the possibilities for what you're able to do. I'm believing that before your future was actually smaller than what it's going to be after this crisis is behind us. God works all things together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. His mercy and grace is going to meet you. It's not up to your performance. It's God's desire. You are the object of God's desire to bless. He's going to unlock and broaden your future in Jesus' name. Again, I just want to take a moment and make sure that every single one of us has made the most important choice of our entire lives. These are the promises of God that I'm declaring to you today, and those promises belong to every single one of His children. You might ask, well, how do I become a, how do I become a child of God? Jesus, He taught us that we need to be born from above in John chapter 3, that we need to be reborn. We've all had a natural birth. You need a supernatural birth. You need to be, need to be born again born from, from above, born by the Spirit of God. And that happens the moment you put your trust, your faith in Jesus Christ. Again, He's the signature on our covenant with the Father. He's the only one who can keep the covenant. And so our only hope of eternal life is to be identified with Him. And that's why He came, so that He could identify with you, so that you could identify with Him. Some of you who are watching this right now, you need to make the choice to identify your life with Christ. You've been reaching to various places and people to find your identity. I don't know what that is specifically for you, but we've all been guilty of that. The most important choice that you and I can ever make is to say, I'm going to find my identity in none other than Jesus Christ. He loves you more than you could imagine. The Bible says, become a friend of God's. He's already a friend of yours. I'm going to pray for you right now in, in this moment. And as I pray for you, I would love for you to respond. Just right where you are. Just give your life to Jesus. Maybe one time you did that, but you drifted away. You need to come back. Just do it right now. Today is the day of salvation, the scriptures say. Holy Father, I thank you for every single person who's watching this right now. And thank you, God, for the power of your word to bring us to life. I thank you for the power of your love to wash away all of our sin. As we come to you, Lord, in humility, I thank, that you, thank you that you lift us up out of despair into joy, out of powerlessness into power, into hope, into life. If you are making that choice right now in your heart to come to God, maybe to come back to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, I would love for you to pray this next part 
with me. Say this with me. Say, Father in heaven, thank you. Today is a brand new day. I'm a new creation because I receive the gift of your love, your salvation in exchange for my burden of brokenness and sin. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, filling me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Incredible. So proud of every single one of you guys. I just want to remind you again, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. I'm so looking forward to what we have to share with you uh, at Church Online. Again, just be on the lookout this week across all of our channels and platforms to receive content that you can be sharing with friends, family members, co-workers, whoever. Let's just invite everybody to church. This is going to be the greatest Easter we've ever seen. I know it's non-traditional, but God is not held back when we have to do things in a different way. God is able to move powerfully through our obedience and our willingness. Let's be those obedient and willing people this week to invite many into next Sunday's Easter experience. I love you so much, church. We'll see you throughout the week on Instagram, YouTube, online, and right back here next Sunday for Church Online. God bless you.